understand Jared McCann sometimes, and I definitely don't mean in the way he speaks. He's gregarious, outgoing. He's actually a blast to be around. I mean, it's hard to understand him on the ice. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way every weekday morning, bright and early, like this. And in addition to this show, I also offer up daily shots of Steelers and Pirates if football slash baseball happens to be your thing. Penguins beat the Sabres 4 nothing last night at PPG Paints Arena. It went about as smoothly and seamlessly as anyone on the home side would hope. Casey DeSmith with the 36-save shutout. Redeem Zahorna scoring his first NHL goal on his first NHL shot. And Jared McCann popped a couple of goals. Long-range wristers, which really, he's the only guy on the team who scores on those. And he could have had more, and I'm not just referring to the empty net that he missed with a minute and a half to go that would have brought a hat trick. He could have had more. He created all kinds of offense. He created all kinds of chances. He does that. He does that. I remember thinking to myself at one point in the first period, McCann is just flying. And then I remember like correcting myself in the same thought process. He's always flying. It's just a question of what gets achieved. I mean, not so long ago, we were all thinking McCann's career was either falling apart or he was entering into the worst slump of his life and he seemed very much expendable whenever he went 23 consecutive games without a goal he was still flying then too he just wasn't scoring most often he wasn't even shooting so you look at his numbers now and you see that he's got seven goals and six assists in just 21 games this season a plus 11 rating, and the most impressive stat by a mile is that he's only taken 41 shots on goal. Seven goals on 41 shots, I'll save you the math. That's a 17.1 shooting percentage. That's really good. If you go back to the 2018-19 season, he had 11 goals in 32 games, 15.3 shooting percentage. If you look at the nature of these goals that he scored last night, they were from distance. He looked up. He looked at Dustin Tokarski's net. He saw his spot, and he wristed it. He wristed it. He put it right where he wanted. The puck ended up on the exact piece of twine, at least from all appearances, that he'd intended. That's that's not a player who should be prone to extended slumps. That, to me, is a player who really needs to have it impressed upon him. He just needs to shoot the puck more often. He's got a dangerous shot. We've seen him score from weird places, too, if you paid close attention to his time in Pittsburgh. 
He can do that. He just doesn't do it often enough. I am not telling you anything I haven't told him. He and I had a pretty stark talk about this. This was obviously was before coronavirus time, but not that far before it. It was it was during that slump. And I remember showing him some data that I'd looked up. This was somewhere on the road that illustrated how much he just needed to shoot the puck, how different his whole career trajectory could and would be if he would just shoot the puck. Well, again, instead of you know beating up on uh, things that already happened in the past, I'll, I'll prefer instead to give credit here. He's doing that now. He had, uh, on his first goal last night, had a three-on-one. He had two different options, really, with where he got this pass from Chris Letang that he could have taken. He didn't. His chin went straight up, straight forward, facing Tokarski, and he just let it fly. That's what you want to see. If, if, if nothing else, he should be watching footage of Kasperi Kapanen, even in practices. Kapanen's always going to be a shoot-first guy. That's why Kapanen's always going to get goals. Kapanen can do the other things, too. We've seen that. He makes some really, really good passes. But McCann is going to have to use that shot because he's looking like he could stick as a top six guy even when everybody's healthy. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by Fubo TV. If you haven't already cut your cable cord, then you know that you're still paying probably over 200 bucks a month. Fubo TV is 65 bucks a month. You watch the same channels, you get a free DVR, you get free installation. There's no risk. You try it out. There's no contract. You can cancel any time. Best of all, these two things. One, you get AT&T Sportsnet Pittsburgh. And two, just for listening to this show, you get a seven-day free trial and 15% off your first month by going to fubotv.com dk. Give it to you again. It's a seven-day free trial and 15% off your first month if you go to fubotv.com slash DK. Here's what Mike Sullivan had to say about McCann's performance after the game last night. Well, Jared can score goals. You know, we, we've said that uh, for a while now. He, he can score goals. He can really shoot the puck. He's got a very deceptive release, uh, and he shoots it hard. And, and so... Um, you know, I, I think at this particular time with with the injuries that we have, you know, we're relying on him to help us uh, offensively. And, and that's something that that we think is a strength of his. You know, he's really good on the power play coming off that wall uh, on his strong side. He just has a he, he's got a knack for for catching that puck in motion and uh, and getting his weight behind the puck. But he's. Uh, he can really shoot the puck. He, he's a goal scorer. And, uh, and and when he scores, I think his confidence elevates and it, it helps him moving forward. He, you know, you could see his, the, the boost of, the, or the burst of energy that he got after he scored his first one. So uh, 
and he had a couple of looks at the empty net as well for the hat trick. They really like him. They should. He's talented. What's not to like? Again, great kid. Like one of those, uh, to borrow an ancient phrase, one of those uh, boys you'd be happy to have your daughter bring home to the parents. Like just the most wholesome kid ever, but also full of energy, full of enthusiasm. You'd love to be around him. But he can also fly. He can make plays. He can finish plays, as we've seen. He's not the most composed defensive player, and I've never been wild about his game at center, including his face-offs. But for this roster, in this context, he doesn't have to be that. All he has to do is fit with Evgeny Malkin and Kasperi Kapanen when everybody's back. That, in turn, bumps Jason Zucker to either the third or the fourth line, depending on how you end up assessing where the Teddy Bluger line is at that point. And then all you need is for McCann to shoot the puck. You know, and that, that's not always easy when you're out there with Gino. Gino wants the puck. And you as a winger are going to feel tempted to defer to him. But Gino's also played with wingers who've scored goals. And he doesn't exactly have a problem with it. Most often, the impression I've gotten is that Gino likes when his wingers show that initiative, but he wants to trust that they'll do that. He wants to trust that they're not going to try something super ambitious on their own. If they're going to try something super ambitious, he'd rather that he gets the puck so that he can do that super ambitious thing. Does that make sense? He'd prefer that they shoot or give it to him. Okay, like that. Leave the fanciness to him. McCann can do that. He absolutely can. And if that happens, if that plays out the way I'm describing, we're suddenly looking at a very different vibe to this whole group of forwards. Yes, you're still missing another center. I don't know if that's Zahorna or Freddie Goudreau or whatever else. I'm not going to get all wound up about a couple of games against Buffalo, including, by the way, as it relates to McCann. But I am saying that there's something here that looks like it could make sense for the top six for the remainder of this season and into the playoffs. And that's because of this wonderful, uplifting rebound that Jared McCann has had for the Penguins. When we come back, just one question. Welcome back. It's time for just one question on Daily Shot of Penguins. But first, a reminder that we still have neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. People who don't know where their next meal is coming from. You can make a difference, maybe a bigger difference than you'd realize. Reach out to the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank 
and find out how and why one dollar can provide five full meals. That's the system that they have going. That's how efficient they are. Visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. Spell all of that out, pittsburghfoodbank.org. Today's question comes from Brian, who asks, please explain the logic behind why there is still a penalty called if the play was offside and the penalty occurred after the play should have been whistled down. There were a few of these sent my way. Brian's came in first. For anybody who doesn't know what Brian is referencing, there was a sequence in the third period last night where the Sabres entered the zone offside, and then Victor Olofsson scored a goal. The Penguins challenged it. The Penguins won the challenge. But during the time in which Buffalo was offside, because no whistle had blown, play obviously continued, or Olofsson wouldn't have scored. And there was a slash committed by Zach Aston Reese. After the goal was waved off, the referees announced that there would still be a penalty that had to be served. How and why shouldn't this entire sequence have vanished from our consciousness? Mike Sullivan was visibly displeased about this on the bench, even though the one call had just went his way. It almost looked like he was being greedy, right? And he's yelling at the ref. Why? What's going on? What's the explanation here? The explanation in ice-cold terms is available by just looking at the rule book. It is rule 38.7. falls under coach's challenge. And I'm going to read it directly. If one or more penalties are assessed between the time of the missed infraction and the video review that disallows the apparent goal, the offending team and the responsible player will still be required to serve the penalty identified and assessed, and the time of the penalty will be recorded as the time at which the play should have been stopped for the missed infraction. That's it. It's right there in black and white. I'm surprised, frankly, that Sullivan would have disputed it. It's not like he wouldn't be aware of all of the rules and the sub-rules under the header labeled Coach's Challenge in the NHL's official rulebook. But to get to the more existential aspect of this, why? How? Like you asked. Well, think of it this way. Let's say that it was something a lot more serious than a slash. Play didn't stop. No one stopped play. And the Sabres enter the zone, and Zach Aston Reese, instead of a slash, let's say that he just tomahawks some dude over the head with the shaft of his stick, like knocks him out cold, like looks like the guy's dead there on the ice. There's a penalty, you know? And this was actually a pretty smart thought process when the coach's challenge was installed by the rule keepers to make sure that this eventuality was covered. You can't just let mayhem 
happen on the rink because such and such was waved off or nullified and time gets reversed. So yes, nothing else that happens on that sequence counts. Olofsson's goal doesn't count. The pluses and minuses obviously don't count. Uh, Even for arcane statistical purposes, let's say they were in the zone, the Sabres were in the zone for a full minute before Olofsson scores, and like five guys registered shots, and Casey DeSmith made four saves until the last one goes in. All of that's wiped out. No shots, no saves, certainly no goal. But the penalty, the penalty stands. And that's absolutely as it should be. When you think about it from the standpoint of Zach Aston Reese, the fictional Zach Aston Reese, nearly killing someone, it kind of makes sense. You can't just let it go. Now, on the same token, I'm probably taking it too far with the killing someone because... Technically speaking, if Zach Aston Reese tried to kill someone anywhere on the rink at any point, including warm-ups, there'd be some kind of serious hell to pay, whether it's fines, suspensions, or whatever. But in this case, you want to make sure that players are never comfortable committing an infraction. Not that they know, not that they're aware that, hey, this play looks like it might be offside, so I'm going to take this guy's wrist out. It's not like that. You just don't ever want that mindset to permeate in general. All infractions should be penalized. Thanks to everyone who sent that question in, and thanks to everyone for listening today and every day. Daily Shot of Penguins has become an awful lot of fun. We happened to set another record for podcast downloads yesterday. I couldn't be happier or more proud with the way this side endeavor uh, is is going within DK Pittsburgh Sports. And uh, uh, I and we and everybody here owe that to you, the listeners. We'll be back with another Daily Shot on Monday. Point Park University, in the heart of downtown Pittsburgh, they understand there's no substitute for real-world experience and career-building connections. Their innovative curriculum engages students with distinctive experiential learning opportunities. Point Park's pioneering co-op program empowers qualified students to work in full-time, paid positions with their corporate partners while earning college credits. Visit pointpark.edu slash works to learn more. Career ready. That's the point. Point Park University. Your front door, your car, your gym locker, your gun. Safety is a habit. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure. Visit projectchildsafe.org.